Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses joining us to week two of our series entitled Overwhelm. Come on, let's just welcome all the campuses joining us. So excited to have you guys, South Shore, Gulf Coast, online, and here at Little Creek. Well, we are in a five-part series. Again, we'll go all the way uh, through Labor Day. Then I'm going to be starting, by the way, uh, this fall, our fall series. I always do a book of the Bible. Uh, and I'm going to be doing the book of Joshua. So you can begin uh, to start reading that. We're in a series talking about overwhelm. What happens when we get overwhelmed? Now, here's what I said last week. I don't believe we get overwhelmed because of the circumstances that we face. Truth is, we all face tough circumstances. It's not the circumstances necessarily. By the way, Jesus said, in this world, in this world, you're going to deal with some stuff. You're going to deal with some tough circumstances. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Then why is it that sometimes we face a circumstance that we faced in the past, but this time we're overwhelmed? Well, previous to that, we were much stronger. I want you to think about this for a moment. If I'm standing like this with two legs, and you came up to me, and you went to try to knock me over, and uh, I'm not in my fighting weight, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in decent shape, all right? I just want to let y'all know that. And uh, so I, I can embrace myself pretty good. But if I did this and, and, and I stood on one leg and you came up and ran against me, okay, same person, same strength, same hip, same circumstance. It's not the circumstance. It's my lack of balance that causes me to be overwhelmed. Did, did y'all see that? See, what I want to teach you guys is, is that we can't escape the world. We can't escape trials and tribulations. But what we can do is be strong in God that we can handle what comes against us. That we can live a healthy life, a, a life of balance where we're not professionally succeeding but personally failing or vice versa. Where we can experience God's blessing in every area of our life. Now, if you weren't here last week, let me give you a little short recap. I talked about three things to build sustainability in our lives. Number one, I talked about holy habits, and I'm going to mention one today. There are certain things that God puts in his word that I would call holy habits, spiritual disciplines, things that we can do to build sustainability in our lives on a daily basis. Number two, I talked last week about this whole concept of margin. You guys, I'm sure, have heard it before, but, 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 but really, here's what it is, just a real simplistic uh, understanding. Uh, margin is the difference between your load, what you're carrying, and your limit, your capacity. So in other words, it's, it's, what, it's what you, what, what's on your plate versus the size of your plate. And I talked about we want to have financial margin in our lives, right? If not, we get overdrawn. Well, the same way emotionally. If we don't have emotional margin, in other words, if we've got more in our plate than our capacity, if we've got more in our plate, we start going into a default position. So we've got to build margin. Everybody say margin, right? We don't want to run right up to the end. We want to have some capacity spiritually, emotionally, mentally, financially, physically. Then I talked last week. My last point is I, I ended up talking about the whole concept of seasons, that every single one of you, all of us included, myself, we are all in different seasons in life. And one of the traps, what I call the traps of the enemy, is to get you and I to compare our season where we are today with somebody else's season. 
In other words, you may be in a planting time, right? Or you may be in a plowing time where, 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 where you're, you're in a phase where you're, you're just building this. For instance, you're building your business, right? So you're, you're planting and you're plowing and, and all this, but somebody else may be enjoying uh, the perks of the business that's been around for 20 years. You have to be careful that you don't compare your planting season with somebody else's perk season. Not, you can get jealous, you get bitter in your heart. Man, what's going on with them? It's the same thing, listen, in every area of our lives. God has given you an assignment. God has given you a particular season. We need to rejoice in that. Why? Because if not, we can get, quote, out of balance. Today, I want to continue my talk, and I want to talk to you about something that I can only remember one time in 19 years being a pastor of this church. I taught a message on this. I talked about a holy habit. It's something that I believe that we need to incorporate into our lives on a weekly basis, a daily basis, a monthly basis, a quarterly basis. It is, a, it, it is in the book of Genesis all throughout the Bible. It's something that builds sustainability on the inside of us. And it's this whole concept of biblical rest, biblical Rest. The reason why I say biblical rest, rest, again, physiologically speaking, we need rest. Biblical rest is spirit, soul, and body, where we enter into the rest of the Lord spiritually, emotionally, and yes, physically. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, as we unpack this concept of biblical rest. Again, the theme of this month is how do we live in such a way that we are not, quote, overwhelmed? One of the ways we do it is by building holy habits in our lives. Hebrews chapter 4, here we go. Here's what the writer says. By the way, we actually don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some say Paul, some say Barnabas, or one of the other apostles one of the original 12. Of course, Paul wasn't one of those. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But the biblical writer here says something that is so important about this concept. Let's just read this. Here's, let me read it to you. Here's what he says. There remains, therefore, a what? Everybody say this word, a. Come on, say that loud, say it. Isn't that a nice word? Rest. I mean, just the thought of just rest. Everybody breathe in. Come on, just do it. Come on. Now breathe out. Rest. Isn't that awesome? Rest. Yeah. The thought of that just word just makes me feel good about myself. Rest. Therefore, there remains a rest for the people of God. That's us. For he who has entered his rest has himself also seized from his works as God did from his. Now watch this next verse. Let us therefore be diligent. Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute. I thought I was resting. Now I'm being diligent. This is kind of what's called a dichotomy of Scripture. This is a holy paradox in the Bible. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that what? Say it. Let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest uh, anyone fall according to that same example of disobedience. What is he talking about? The biblical writer was giving the analogy of the children of Israel when they went into the promised land. Again, the promised land. Land. It was a land that was promised by God. Back to Genesis chapter 12. Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. Again, a lot of Old Testament history there. And the children of Israel, they went into this promised land. Now, by the way, just because something is promised to you by God doesn't mean it's your possession. You've got to take it. 
I'm going to be teaching that this fall. Listen, the promises of God are yours, but you've got to take them. You've got to cooperate with them. Let me give you an example. All right, here, here's one of, the, here's one of the, 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 biz, the biggest examples of what I'm talking about. Again, God promises us things, but we've got to do something to participate in that promise. You know, the football, I, I don't even know. I don't even see these signs as much anymore. You know, the big signs. Uh, John three sixteen. I, I don't know if that's if, if that's legal in America. If you can bring those signs, but but you, you of course my generation we'd grow up watching football. You you know John three sixteen. Okay, so here's we're going to test our biblical literacy at Church of the King. You guys ready? All of our campuses, South Shore, Gulf Coast, online. And here's what we're going to do. What we're going to do is is that we're going to we're going to recite this verse out loud. Now remember my thesis. There is a promise. Everybody say promise. God gives us a promise, but we have to participate in order to get the benefit of that promise, all right? He says, be diligent to enter into rest. Now, here's the point. We're going to read it out loud, New King James, and I'm just, don't pull the scripture up. We're not giving a cheat sheet, all right? We're going to say it out loud. Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, stop right there. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Who is his son? Everybody say it. Jesus. That whosoever, okay, everybody say promise. Say condition. Now watch this. Whosoever shall, what? Believe on him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So in other words, the promise is, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So, so God, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus die for the whole world? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Is all of the world saved? The answer is no. Why? Because not everyone has, quote, done their part and believed. So in other words, God promises salvation to humanity. But we've got to do our part. We've got to believe. Now, that's, 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 that's receiving a gift. We've got to trust Christ as our Savior. So what's the point here? The point is God does his part, but he can't force us to do our part. And oftentimes we misunderstand. Pull that scripture up again in Hebrews. We misunderstand. We see a promise. God promises rest. Rest. But then we forget that we've got to be diligent to enter that rest. So in other words, we've got to do some things to enter into the rest of God. Now, salvation, speaking of the blood of Christ, again, that's a free gift, what Christ has done. But we've got to grow in the grace of Christ. We've got to cooperate with God. We've got to cooperate with God to grow and rest physically, to grow and rest emotionally, to grow. In other words, rest. Rest is a promise, but there's a condition. Let me just say this. We, 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 we are, physically speaking, now I'm going to talk about physical and emotional, a very tired culture. People are tired. Matter of fact, I read a recent statistic, Gallup poll, that said, this is really interesting. In 2013, uh, it said that adults needed seven to nine hours of sleep. Now watch this, seven to nine hours. This is what they said. This is five years ago. At the time, only 40% of adults were experiencing that. It's actually gone down now. The average American sleeps six hours. Interestingly enough, it's going this way. Do you know what happens when you don't sleep enough? Do you know what happens when you don't rest enough spiritually, rest enough emotionally, rest enough mentally, when you need a mental brain break? Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You actually don't perform at the peak level that God intended you to perform. Do you know what happens physiologically when you don't rest? It actually shuts down your critical thinking skills, and you cannot think at your highest productivity level. So, so this is not just a, well, Pastor, this is just talking about spiritually. Resting in heaven. By the way, we're not going to rest in heaven. We've got a job and an assignment in heaven. But this is not just talking about spiritual. This is talking about God has called us to rest. Now, because I'm your pastor, I love you, and I want to equip you, all right? I want to equip you with the word of God, and I want to equip you professionally. If you happen to not be sleeping enough and you fall asleep at work, pastor, what do I tell my boss? I'm going to give you 10 things. I'm going to give you 10 things. Is that all right? Come on. Everybody say, we know you love us, Pastor Steve. Come on. Just, I'm going to give you 10 things. All right? Here it is. If you happen to get busted for sleeping, because I want to equip you as your pastor, here's 10 things that you can say, and you can throw it away if you don't want, but 10 things. All right, here we go. Number 10, they told me at the blood blank this might happen. <laughs> if you didn't get that, you need prayer. But anyway, so... At the blood bank, you're, okay, here we go. Number nine, 10 things to say if you get caught sleeping on the job. Number nine, whoo, I guess they left the top off the liquid paper too much. Number eight, here we go. 10 things, I wasn't sleeping, I would, this is great. Number eight, I wasn't sleeping. No, I was just meditating on our corporate mission statement. Here's another one, I wasn't sleeping. No, no, ma'am, I, I wasn't. I was just testing the keyboard for drill resistance. That's awesome. How many of y'all remember you used to sleep in class in high school? You just drew, okay, I'm sorry. Here we go. Number six, oh gosh, <laughs> why did you interrupt me? I, I, I almost figured out a solution to our company's biggest problem. I was resting. Number five, why am I sleeping? I'll tell you why I'm sleeping, because I read in Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the 15-minute power nap. I need one. Number four, boy, that cold medicine I took last night just won't wear off. That's true. It's getting better. Here it is. Number three, why am I sleeping? Someone must have put in decaf in the wrong pot. <laughs> Two, this is awesome. Stay with me. We're Christians. I wasn't sleeping. I was just trying to pick up my contact lens without my hands. <laughs> Remember, we're Christ followers, all right? Which part of being a Christian is we do an activity. I'm helping to equip you. If you're ever busted at work and your boss goes, hey, what are you doing? What you need to say is, amen. <laughs> you just got to say it. You just got to get it out there. Say it. Just say it. You know, it's just, we're just finishing up summer. Of course, it's summertime. You, you, you go on vacations. Allegedly to rest. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go rest. Let's go on vacation. So what you do is you start planning for a vacation. How do you plan for a vacation? You got to get online and start comparing Marriott points. Where are we switching back and forth? And what do we do? Time. Okay, yeah. Okay. And you finally, and oh, let's go. This is going to be so restful. Let's go to Disney World. <laughs> this is awesome. It's amazing. So you get to Disney World and you're there and, it's, and you're just resting, right? You're, you're rejuvenating, right? And there's long lines. There's 55 million people. It's hot. And so your spouse says, what are you doing? I'm looking at emails, resting, because you don't want to be in that long line, right? So this is right. So you're packing. You're there. You're doing your... As a matter of fact, we, we, we like to go to, to Florida, Destin every year, my family. And I, it's, it's funny. You know, I, I'm very goal-oriented. It's my personality. I'm goal-oriented. So I want to very just... I've got a goal. I want to get there. I know this is a little... OCD, but I, 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 would, I would tell my kids, I would like, go to the bathroom 
We're not stopping. It's four hours and 15 minutes. Everybody line up. Dad, I don't have to go. Go back in there. You got to go to the bathroom. I'm telling you, you got to go to the bathroom. I had one of my kids one day. I said, Dad, if we behave, will you stop in Mobile? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's a negotiator there. Negotiator. Of course, you go on vacation. You're not supposed to bring your work. So you don't bring your phone. You shut your emails off. You don't get any texts. Wow. So they tell you now, there's actually books you can read now, how to take a vacation. Y'all ever seen those books? So in other words, you got to read the book, put the energy in to figure out how to rest. So of course, you've got to pack, you get in the car, or you get in the plane, and airports are so relaxing. And then you get there, I mean, they're just, it's just awesome, you know what I'm saying? And, and then and you get there, then you get back, and you got to unpack. How many enough would be honest enough to say, and I mean, you're in church, you can't lie, that you need a vacation after your vacations. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, why is it? Why is it that we don't rest? I'm talking about physically, emotionally, mentally, and yes, spiritually. Well, why is it that we don't ever get into a place of rest? Because if, if we know scientifically that we perform at a higher level professionally when our souls are rested, when our bodies are rested, why don't we do it? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, often it's because of others' expectations. We have these expectations. Look, we have our own expectations in life, much less other people's expectations. This pressure to perform, this pressure to be. Listen, I, I, I understand professional excellence. Of course we want to perform. But, but there's this, this sometimes this overt, just unrealistic, inordinate sense that we, that we evaluate everybody's opinion as being, as being a, a, an announcement on our self-worth to the point that we, 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 we can't ever relax. Whether it's, whether it's on the team and you got to do everything, or whether it's in the office and you're, you're just, everybody's, expect, it's expectation. Let me tell you, do you know what expectations do? Even, here's what an expectation, an expectation produces a press on us that gives us a little bit of an adrenaline, there's a little bit of an adrenaline boost that, ri- that causes us to rise up to accomplish that. Now, a healthy amount of that is right. It's like stress, right? A healthy amount of stress is appropriate. But chronic stress is a breakdown. There's a difference. So expectations, expectations in the home, expectations with kids, expectations with life. Again, we can't run from life, but how do we navigate all this? How do we navigate with children when now they have to play 55,000 sports? Do y'all remember, how many of y'all remember when you had one sport at a time? How, how many of y'all remember that? And you like rode your bike to the playground. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. And, and now it's like, isn't that sports supposed to be like in a different season? And like now it's kind of coming over here. And how did that happen? And who made that decision? Are y'all with me? And, 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 and now there, there's so much that's coming at us. And let me tell you one of the reasons why we we, we, we brown out, one of the reasons why we, why we burn out, one of the reasons why we, we, we can't navigate this whole thing is because of fear, the fear of what other people say about us, the fear of what their opinion might mean to us. We're scared to say no. We're scared to gracefully draw some healthy boundaries, not like, I'm not doing it, but just, just gracefully speaking. Do, do you know what fear does to us? Fear causes us to move out of a place of rest into a place of in balance. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, the fear of man brings a what? Everybody say it. Uh, you know, a snare. You know what a snare is? It's a trap. We, we, we had on our, on our house uh, as, as a kid, my, my grandma is a Cajun 
uh, lady, she died a couple years ago. She's 100 years old and cut off and golden medal. She had this, before school in the 30s, they would go and trap minks and muskrats in the bayous. And she, so my, she gave my mom this trap. And so we had this trap on the wall. My brother and I used to put sticks in it. And it was just the coolest thing in the world. It's, it was like my mom hung it on. It's like a Cracker Barrel. We had stuff on our wall. You know what, I, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, eh, that's that trap. Why am I eating dinner under that but anyway, so it's, 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 it's interesting, though, but, 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 but the fear of man brings a trap, traps you. It immobilizes you. The inability, the inability to draw healthy boundaries so that we can, listen, maintain health and rest. Second reason why we, we, we don't rest is because the do-it-all-myself syndrome. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Here's the statement. You guys ready? Here is the classic statement of somebody that imbibes this. And I'm going to tell you, it is a slope. And I've been there before. If you weren't here four weeks ago, you need to get the tape on overcoming depression. I talked about my burnout and all of my dysfunction the last eight years where I've had to walk out and learn how to do some stuff differently. And I'm still in process, trust me. But the do it all myself syndrome. Here it is. You guys ready? Here it is. This is a surefire way to burn out and get messed up in your soul and to have erratic sleep patterns. Here it is. If you say this consistently, it ought to be an alarm that goes off. If I don't do it, it's just, it's not done correctly. If you say that, I'm telling you, you're, you're, here it is. Just, just, <laughs> nobody can live that way. It's impossible. Only one person that can do that, Jesus. The rest of us, we're not Jesus. The fact of the matter is, is that there's a mentality that some people have. Look, I've been there before. I thought, what's the real, what's the real emphasis behind somebody that says that? Here's the reason why they say that. Is they're usually a type A personality, high capacity, high producer, nothing wrong with that, but they've got a faulty thought process. I've been there. And what that person thinks is, what they're really saying is that I, my ego abasement is I'm so fragile there that if I don't, if it doesn't come off the way that I want, I'm going to look bad. I'm going to feel bad about myself. So I need to put pressure. Matter of fact, I'm just going to do it myself. I'll do that myself. I'll do that myself. I'll do that myself. So in the end, you don't empower anybody. In the end, your business stays strong. In the end, the church does it. In the end, your family does it. In the end, instead of equipping and empowering. Remember this, everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. You know what a good marriage is? Is when you figure out that your spouse is gifted in areas you're not. Are you with me? I mean, that's a great, a great marriage is when you realize that God's smarter than you. Are y'all with me? <laughs> and that God put that, per- the thing that bothers you about your spouse, God did that. Are y'all with me? God did that. God did that. Can I just tell you, and I love my wife. She's amazing. She's here, so I got to be honest. She loves people. She loves things. She loves pets. Last night, she sends me a text. We got a new dog. I'm like, that's from hell. It's not God's will. It's not God's plan. It's not. It's not. I don't feel it. It's not coming from heaven. She's a nurturer. So then she gets my daughter to buy in. My daughter's bought in. Dad, look at our new pet. How am I going to take that from my eight-year-old? I'd be like a demon. 
Fact of the matter is, there's things in us, there's things on your team. Ladies, men, there's things. Let me tell you, we, we, this mentality, it'll wreck you quick. I'm telling you, it'll wreck you. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, all your fears, cast it on him. I learned this. I'm still learning this. Still learning this. Number three, the third reason why we don't rest at night. You, you, how many of y'all remember when you actually used to sleep seven hours a night? Wasn't that awesome? That was a long time ago, right? It's often a lack of trust, a lack of trust. Here's the deal. Do, do you know in the Bible where it talks about this? And I love this. It talks about God fights for you. Isn't that power? Just a thought. I want you to think about that thought for a moment, that God's fighting your battles for you. If we really believe that, again, I'm not talking about disengaging from life where you just kind of sit around kumbaya and just whatever the Holy Spirit, no, 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 no. We're obviously engaged, but we know that God's engaged and God is moving and there's angelic warfare and things and God's fighting on our behalf and he's moving things and he's opening up the Red Sea and he's, he's opening doors and he's closing the wrong doors and he's doing stuff. Can you imagine the level of peace that we would actually walk in if we believe that? But it's a lack of trust in God. God is the creator and he's on the throne. But it's also a lack of trust in others. I love what this scripture says. It says in Psalms 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots, the arm of the flesh, and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I said this a couple weeks ago, just physiologically. Do you, do you guys know, and again, I'm not a doctor. I've never been, had medical training, but I have read a lot, and I've gone through a lot of this. Do you realize, you know when you feel good and happy, where those happy thoughts come from? I know the Lord and all that, but physiologically speaking, is when your brain is filled with serotonin. When your brain is filled with serotonin, you feel good. It's like it's happy, all right? This is very simplistic, the way I'm explaining it. So, so what happens? The only way that your brain feels, serotonin, it's a, it's a, some call it a hormone, it's a neurotransmitter for the medical view. They know all this. They, and so it's the cool stuff that happens. Here's what happens. When you don't rest properly and you don't exercise properly, what, what happens is you actually burn and you deplete your body of serotonin. So here's what happens. In order to have energy, you, you switch power sources from serotonin. You start living off of another thing that's called adrenaline. And when you start living off of adrenaline, adrenaline was intended by God as a fight or flight thing. It was a release of, uh, of energy in your body, a chemical where it causes you, kind of like you say, man, th that car was on top of that kid. And I don't know how that person like picked the car. It's like crazy. It's adrenaline surge. We were never intended by God to live on adrenaline. It was there when we needed it, but then we put it away. The problem is, is that the only way to replenish healthy serotonin is through proper rest. So it becomes a vicious cycle. The less you sleep, the more you then you then you can't get less. Then you, get, you see where that goes? Well, how do we get there? How do we live healthy? Things come against us, right? How do we deal with those obstacles? How do we stay strong spiritually, physically, emotionally? Remember, it's all connected together. It's all connected together. Let me give you three biblical principles and precedences in the Bible about rest. Number one, God modeled rest at creation. Yes, God himself modeled rest at creation. Look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his what? His work. Do you remember the first six days? And God created, and God created the light, and God created this, and God created this. Boom, 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 six, seventh day. The Bible says he rested 
He ended his work. His work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Now watch what he does. Watch. Don't miss this. Please stay with me. Watch this. Then God blessed the seventh day. Why did he bless the seventh day? And then God sanctified. You know what the word sanctified means? It means set it apart. Why did God set apart the seventh day? I'm about to answer some questions that some of you guys have asked about the Sabbath. In our, you asked for it seriously. Some people said, Pastor, do we honor the Sabbath? Do we not honor the Sabbath? Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? Is it whatever? I'm going to answer that here in about five minutes. I'm almost finished. Stay with me. God sets apart this day. I've said this so many times, Pastor, in this church, 19 years. Here's the deal. God's Bible is his manual for living. God knows how you and I tick best. God knows how we work. Listen, God's design is not for us to break down, burn out, and just, but it's to be strong, faith to faith, glory to glory, right? So God has designed, God has designed us to honor something. There's something about the seventh day. There's something about what God modeled and created. Question, when God rested, was God tired? The answer is no. But he rested to provide a model for us and an example. God rested. Six days work, seven day rest. Seven day blessed. Seven day sanctified, set it apart. Don't touch that day. So God says, number two, not only did God, we're by the way, we're Trinitarians. We believe in one God, but three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God, three persons. What about Jesus when he was on the earth, who was God the Son in the flesh? 100% God, but also 100% man. It's called the hypostatic union theologically. 100% God, but 100% man. He was a man who was God. What about Jesus when he was on the earth? Did he rest? Did he just go, 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 go? Look what he says. Look what the Bible says. Jesus rested from his work. Luke chapter 5, however, the report went about concerning him. So there's news that's going out. People are talking. This man's amazing. This guy, Jesus, is amazing. He is amazing. He's healing people, casting out demons. One time they had this big meeting and everybody would turn to one another. It's like 5 o'clock. There's no Popeye's clothes. Some little kid brings fish and bread, starts mauling. This guy is amazing. The report went about concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came to him to hear him, to be healed by him. Can you imagine if you were Jesus? Remember, he was God, but he was a man. How do I know he's a man? The Bible talks about he thirsted on the cross. I thirst, right? He ate. He slept. He did all the stuff that we do. He grieved. He was saddened over the city of Jerusalem that reject the Messiah. And the Bible says, is that it's a, and, and he healed them. So he himself, but he himself often withdrew into the wilderness. Mary prayed. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Jesus? The needs that were pressing against him. People needed him. Yeah. I don't mean to say this crudely, but if you went to a restaurant, I don't even know if they had restaurants, but if you went to a restaurant, they go into the restroom. People probably follow him. Pray for me. You heard the news. This guy, a guy went to the restaurant. The guy will heal you if you go in there. God's got power. I mean, no rest for the weary. Or some of you guys are. 
You're a high-producing individual. It's awesome. God created you that way. But there's a way to do it. If you don't do it God's way, you begin to break down. You begin to burn out. So Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus often withdrew. Where are you going, Jesus? Hey, hey, where are you going? We, we got some needs right here. Oh, oh, he's, no, no, he does that all the time. He, he goes and he prays. I don't know what he's doing. He's over there praying behind a rock, talking to God, but he's, he's resting. Let me ask you a question. You guys, that I'm sure most of you have flown on a plane before. So when you're about to fly on a plane and the flight attendant gets on the microphone and says, after they said, you know, you're in the emergency exit. You're going to take that door down and jump out and help everybody? Everybody good? Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Take them out. You're going to do it? Yeah, okay, you, okay, good. Walk back, okay. We're about to take off. This flight's going to Dallas. If anybody's not going to Dallas, this is your last chance. And uh, so, but in the case of an emergency, what's going to fall down? A what? An oxygen mask. What do they tell you to do? What do they, what do they tell you to do? Put it where? Put it on your neighbor first? Put it where? On your, oh, no, that's too selfish. Pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass out and put it on their ear. <laughs> I'm helping you. I'm going to turn to the king. No, 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 no. You don't put it on your neighbor first. You put it on yourself first. <sighs> because if I don't breathe like this, it's strong that I can't help them. Yeah. Jesus went away and would put the mask on because when he'd come off and come out, he was highly productive. God is not trying to limit your productivity. He's trying to increase it. You ever, you ever, you ever heard about this? You ever heard, you ever hold the, the whole, no pun intended, axiom? You ever heard this before? Sharpen twice, cut what? What's the point? Sharpen that saw twice, cut once. It's not harder work, but it's wiser effort. It's wiser. When we rest our souls at night, when we're empowering people, when we're, when we're, when we're, not, when we're living for the approval of God above all else, it's not that we don't serve. Of course we serve others. When we're self-care, listen to me, write this down. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is wise. It's wise. Let me give you this last and final thing. I'm now answering a question. I got five minutes. Everybody will be gone, all right? Five minutes or you get prayer if you want. Here it is. I'm answering the question some of you guys asked during that you asked for a question. Pastor, what does Church of the King believe about the Sabbath? Do, you, do we honor the Sabbath in modern America? I know there's other people besides Americans watching online and Facebook Live, but do we honor the Sabbath or do we not? Is it a day? Is it not a day? Okay, let's talk about that just for a moment. Number three, and I'll close. We are instructed by God to do something. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about three parts of the law, the moral law, sacrificial law, and civil law. We no longer follow the civil law. We don't live in ancient Israel. We no longer follow the sacrificial law, the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ died for our sins. We no longer have to sacrifice lambs, sacrifice, but Jesus was, a, but we do follow the moral law. We're not saved by the moral law, but we understand the truth in the moral law and by the power of the spirit, we align our lives with wisdom and truth that's in the word of God, the moral law of God. Ten Commandments, all right? We're not saved by obeying the Ten Commandments. We're empowered by God after we're saved to actually follow the Ten Commandments. Do you know one of the Ten Commandments that's probably, well, let's just talk about it. Exodus chapter 20, and I'm done. Watch this. Remember 
the Sabbath day to keep it holy, set apart, blessed. You remember all the way back to Genesis? Yeah, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. Look at this next verse. But the seventh day, it's, it's the Sabbath to the Lord, and in it you shall do no work, and then it goes on and on. So, so there's something about this day. Now listen to me closely. I'm going to read a couple things I wrote, and I'm finishing. The Apostle Paul would say it this way. Listen to me, please. We are only clay pots, dust mixed with water. Do you remember how we were created? God picked up the dust of the earth and blew his ruach. His, it's the Hebrew word spirit. He blew his spirit into We were dust. And then we, he blew his spirit. And the image of God was born in dust. Now watch this. Paul would say it this way. We are only clay pots, dust mixed with water that has passed through fire. Hard but brittle too. Knowing this, God gave us the gift of the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeping is a form of mending. It's mortar in the joints. We either keep the Sabbath or we break too easily. I know I do. If we don't keep the Sabbath, our, our dustiness begins to consume us, and it, and it becomes who we are, and we end up unable to hold exactly, well, nothing, because clay pots have cracks. Pastor, is the Sabbath a day, or is it an attitude? It's both. Ancient Judaism, Judaism today, I've been in Israel many, many times. Friday, sundown, to Saturday, sundown, 24 hours, Jewish people honor the Sabbath. It's beautiful. Wow, it's wonderful. It's incredible. They, they, uh, they, there's time and family and connectivity. Christians historically have considered Sunday being the Sabbath. Now, what is hard about that now is because of work and because of schedules. And I understand, God understands. This is not a legalistic thing, but there's a day. There's something about a day. There's something about... The human being cannot produce day in and day out, day in and day out. The human being has to come down, has to come down. I believe the Sabbath is a day. It's ideally a wonderful time if you can gather with your family on a weekend service, a Saturday or a Sunday, and come together. But there's something about a day. My Sabbath is on Friday. I work, I'm working right now. I'm working yesterday. I have a meeting tonight at our South Shore camp. So I, I, I work on the weekends. I do messages. I preach and tea. That's what I, so Friday, listen to me. I'm freeing some of you guys, but I'm, but I'm also challenging the rest of you. Friday's my Sabbath. It's a, it's a day where I wake up and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll come before God and I'll read my Bible. By the way, I read my Bible this morning, not because I'm a pastor. Well, you get paid to do that. No, I'm get, I get paid to do this. But I read my Bible because I'm a Christian. But so, so Sabbath for me on Fridays, it's a day where I'm, where I'm, where I'm, where I'm, where my soul, and I'm fight for that. I fight. I, I, I try to make sure that this is done by Thursday. It wants to happen on Friday, but I have to, I have to put a firewall, and I have to stop it because it wants to come into Friday. It wants to take Friday. It, it, but I, I've got to come down. If I don't come down, then I get weird. We all get weird. Is that all right saying that in church? We just we start getting angry at people. And, and, and people cut us off leaving church and we think dark thoughts. <laughs> Y'all follow me. So Sabbath is it's a day. I know some of you with small kids, Pastor, I wish I had 10 minutes of a Sabbath. Well, I believe that all of us can press into a pattern 
Start with an hour on a, on a weekend. Start with it. Ask your husband or your wife, if you're married with children, can you have the kids for an hour here or two? Can I, I need, there's some soul rest. I need to focus on God. I need to spend time. There's something that, so I believe Sabbath, ideally, if it's a day, there's something that rejuvenates in your soul. But then, after it becomes a day, then you work it into your daily practices. This morning, I was Sabbathing, resting. Everybody say rest. Psalms 46.10, be still. And know that I'm God. So my soul this morning, I'm stilling my soul, listening to God. Yeah, we can do this every day. So Sabbath is a day, but then it becomes a daily practice. Sabbathing. It's a verb. It's a noun, but it's also a verb. So now I'm Sabbathing. I'm I'm learning how to rest. I'm taking in the Spirit. I'm taking in on Monday and Tuesday. It's in the morning. And then it's, there's a day on Friday, and then, and then, and then we're, and then, and as we learn to do this, I, I'm, I have to learn how to, to Sabbath better on a vacation where I'm shutting. So I'm, I'm learning to disconnect. I'm learning to disconnect in order to connect. It's to disconnect in order to connect. Now here's the end. Then as your soul gets rested, your mind gets sharper, your spirit gets stronger. You become more effective for God. How many of y'all want that? Come on. Y'all want that in your life? Let's stand.